right at the tail end of the book of Acts. Verse 4. 
Putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea, along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria, sailing for Italy, and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days, and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Lots of wind not helping us out here, right? Against us, against us, against us. We're going to see this, almost this entire trip is just like, what in the world? We can't get a break here. Now, it's late in the season for sailing. There's a winter season still over there in the Mediterranean that uh, sailing, you just don't do it. It's so dangerous. So they're trying to get to Rome before things go bad with the weather. It's not starting off so well here. Verse 8. Coasting along with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, that fast is the Day of Atonement. It just happened for us last week, right? It always falls in mid to late September, sometimes early October. So he said uh, the Day of Atonement has already passed. We're getting way past the normal time for safe sailing in these waters. So Paul advised him, verse 10, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Hmm. That ever happened to you? You give advice to somebody in this important situation, and you're pretty sure that you know what's going down, and they ignore you? Kind of hurts, doesn't it? In this situation, I understand. They're gonna, he's going to follow the advice of the men who are professionals at this. But Paul has special insight from where? From the Lord. God's going to show these men over a series of trials that they need to learn to trust the word of the Lord through Paul. So he trusted the owner of the ship and the pilot. Verse 12. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, I'll show you in the map in just a few moments that they, where they're at is not good for winter. The bay is just really crummy. It's not suitable for the ship and for the people. So they hope you just kind of go up the coast a little ways, not a big deal, to a much better harbor and a better place to spend the winter. Let's see what happens here. Verse 13. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they're like, woohoo, that's exactly what we need, the south wind. They weighed anchor and sailed Long Creek close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind, called the Northeaster, struck down from the land. When the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it, were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Kauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. That's the lifeboat. Right. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Now, we don't know exactly what they're doing. There's two or three different options, but basically they got out all the loose rope they had, and they, they literally tied parts of the ship together to try and strengthen it. That's how hard the storm was beating against this wooden ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Syrtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. So they dropped the sails, and they're just letting the wind and the waves blow them helter-skelter. That's the best way to try and survive. 
Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. That's a sad day. When sailors throw the ship's tackle overboard, you know that you've had desperate measures. Verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. In the natural realm of things, there's no way to survive this thing. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Have you ever said I told you so? Huh. Paul did. I told you so. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. How does he know this? For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And this angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. What's God's plan? Paul is going to stand before Caesar himself, the most powerful man in the, the known world at that time, and he's going to share the gospel with him. Big plans, amen? Amen. Behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So it sounds to me like Paul was praying that, God, I know it's your plan for me to speak to Caesar in Rome. I pray that you would, in your grace and mercy, uh, give me all the lives of the people on the ship. And God said, I'll do that. Verse 25, it says, So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, two weeks they've been tossed around the Mediterranean Sea by the storm. Two weeks. As we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected they were nearing land. How would they suspect that in the middle of the night in a storm? Probably hearing waves crashing against uh, the land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. Say, uh-oh. Anybody out there? Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Okay, if the sounding, if, if you're dropping a measuring device over the side of the ship and it's getting less and less water, you're getting close to your time of running your ground. Verse 29, fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. As the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, rats, <laughs> and had lowered the ship's lifeboat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, so they, that's what they told them, oh, we're going to put some anchors off, that might help. All the sailors are trying to get in the lifeboat and, and beat it. Paul said to the centurion soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. When it takes, when it comes time to ditch this ship, we're going to need these sailors to help us do that successfully. If they leave, we're all dead. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. So they cut them off from their escape. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you've continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Imagine going, imagine going through this storm for two weeks and then not eating a thing the whole time because it was impossible to prepare food or to eat it. Wow. There, verse 34, therefore, Paul says, I urge you now to take some food, for it will give you strength. What are they going to need strength for? Pretty soon they're going to be swimming for their lives. 
says, you need some strength, eat some food, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. He's trying to encourage him. When he had said these things, listen to this, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. What's that sound like? Communion. Lord's Supper communion, amen? We're going to have that a little bit. Praise the Lord. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. When they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So now the ship is as light as it can be. They're hoping to, to make it as close as they can to a safe beach. Uh, the less weight, the less the ship uh, is liable to encounter things underneath the surface of the water. Good plan works out just well enough. Verse 39. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. So they throw the sail back up. First time it's been up in two weeks and try and make a run for this beach. Verse 41, striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable. The stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. You think, well, that's kind of harsh. Well, this, this is how it is. If any of those prisoners escape, then the soldiers who were tasked with guarding them, they would be killed for doing a lousy job. So like, kill all the prisoners so we don't have to worry about that. Verse 43. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. The rest on planks are on pieces of the ship. So it was, say it with me, all were brought safely to land. I'd like to see that in a good movie someday. Hmm. Oh, what an amazing two weeks. What an amazing ending. It's not over yet. Oh, let me show Let's do the map now. I want to show you this. It'll make a lot more sense for you. Okay? Started from Caesarea, Sidon, on to Myra, to Sunidin, whatever. <laughs> Came down to Salmon. Around here's Fair Havens, where they stopped and had to figure out, do we stay here for the winter? We can't. It's a terrible place for that. Let's go on to Phoenix. So it was just from here to here they were hoping to go. They got a good southerly breeze that would help them to go to Phoenix. So they put out to sea. Boom, the storm hits, drags them away from Phoenix. They, they can't do anything with it. Now we could just do all kinds of squiggles all the way through here, right? From Fair Havens to Malta, 14 days. Never saw the sun of the stars. That's how they ended up at Malta. Malta is an island um, eight miles wide, 18 miles long. Not a huge one. In the middle of the Mediterranean, good luck hitting that thing. How did they end up at Malta? That's where the Lord sent them. Why did God send them to Malta, you ask? Why? Okay, get the hang of this. I know why God sent them to Malta. Chapter 28, verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it began to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, don't you love Paul? This guy is pitching in. He make, he's making tents all the time to pay his own way. 
Survive 14 days without food, terrible storm, barely makes it to shore alive. He jumps up, he's helping gather sticks for the fire. You gotta love this guy, amen? Amen. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper, a venomous killing snake, came out because of the heat, fastened on his hand, bites him with its fangs, it's hanging from his hand. Verse 4, when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, whoa, no doubt this man is a murderer or something, because though he escaped from the sea, should have died out there, he didn't, justice has not allowed him to live. What do they know about this particular species of snake? You're a dead man. Nobody's, you're a dead man. They were waiting for him to swell up. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry verse 5. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Paul sits down, he's like, whatever. What's Paul been through? How, how can he react like this? He's been through stonings. He's been through beatings, um, scourgings, all kinds of things. Like, whatever. A snake, that's no big deal. Shakes it off and the, the fire suffers no harm. Verse 6. The locals were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. They know what happens when you get bit by the snake. But that when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, in the original language, they, they probably were saying more so he's a messenger from the gods. But a god connection, right? Miracle. He's alive. Verse 7. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius. He was a, a Roman governor placed there by Rome who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. You know, nowadays we know what that was. It's called Malta fever. And it comes from, Malta's famous for its goats. The goats have a micro, microorganism in their milk, and when you drink their milk, it makes people sick. You can have a fever for a week, four weeks, They've recorded people having fever and symptoms up to years. And so Publius, um, his, his father, is sick probably from Malta fever. It says with fever and dysentery. Oh, by the way, nowadays they have a vaccine for us, so it's no problem. <laughs> Paul visited him, prayed, putting his hands on him, and say it with me, did what? Oh, healed him. Sorry. In the name of Jesus, he healed him. Who did he just heal? He healed the father of the Roman governor on the island. Is that going to have an impact? Is that going to hit the coffee shops and the pubs? What's, why did God do all this stuff and let the storm happen so they end up in Malta? There's a bunch of people there the Lord wants to save. Does God want Paul to go to Rome and speak to Caesar? Sure, yeah, sure. Is it okay if we stop on the way and save a few thousand people on an island? I think so. Verse 9. When this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. When we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Why did they love them so? Not just because of the healings, because he brought them Jesus. He brought them a Savior. They had heard about him. Just a little part of the next verse is, after three months, we set sail and shipped to Rome. They had to spend the winter there. Three, what do you suppose Paul was doing for those three months? Working on milking snake venom and coming up. What was Paul doing for three months? 
he was preaching and teaching and making disciples. Even today, Malta is the most, most Christian place in the whole Mediterranean. 90% of the people are church workers. That's something. So we can't process this for ourselves today, right? What does it mean for you and me? It's just fun. Two and a half years from mob riot in Jerusalem to finally arriving in Rome. Two and a half years. Shipwreck and snake bite and three more months stranded on a little island out in the middle of nowhere. For what purpose? Salvation of many on an island in the Mediterranean Sea. You kind of love this about our God. You know, one of the huge things it's saying to me is, Joe, it's not all about you. I got you saved. That was my will for your life and much more, but that's the main thing. And now I want you to help get others saved. What path are you on today that seems to be going everywhere but the destination you have in mind? Maybe you are even convinced your destination is God's plan for you, so let's get on with it. Right? What path are you on that seems to be taking way longer than it should? Paul sat under house arrest for over two years, just sitting there. It was many months later before his torturous journey finally got into Rome. Why? Why all these delays? Why the messed up path? Why the storm? Why even the snake? What did that snake bite do? And let the people know right off the bat there's something miraculous and unusual about this man. It opened hearts and ears to listen to the gospel. It's all about salvation for the people of Malta. So it's a faith step for you and I. But you and I can trust God's path and his timing for our faith journey. And I'm sure there's some here this morning that are feeling like, I'm done with this whole thing. I'm, I'm done waiting. I'm done trying to figure out the path. I understand. Been there. Today is a day to come back to faith. Trust the Lord. The path might seem all screwy. Might even go off the map. You're like, that's well, not even on the map anymore, God. I don't know. That's okay. Timing might seem way past overdue. That's okay. You can trust the Lord. He has purpose in it. Amen. He has purpose in it. Along that journey, the Lord Jesus himself gave us communion, the Lord's Supper, so we could keep on hearing the body and blood of Christ given for you. Because the Lord knew we would need encouragement on this goofy path, sometimes stretched out way longer than we're comfortable with. The Lord knew that we would need special encouragement along the way. This is one of the things Jesus has given us to help us along the way. Baptism is a one-time, one-time experience. It does so many amazing things. God does so many amazing things in it. The Lord said they're going to need regular encouragement. They need to be reminded, with all the journey stuff, reminded, the main thing, my children, is that I died for you on the cross and I rose from the grave. I gave my body and my life for you. That's what you've got to hang on to. 
no matter where you're at in the journey, no matter how far Rome, how far away Rome seems to be, no matter how messed up a shipwreck and swimming for it and getting bit by a snake seems to be. I've got you. I've saved you. You're mine. And I have purpose in what you're going through, even if you can't see it right now. So let's pray together as we get ready for that communion encouragement from our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, thank you so much for true stories like this in the scriptures to help us, Father. And God, we just confess to you that we're a culture and we're a nation that's so, so rich and so wealthy. So much has been a blessing to us. That we've gotten really selfish and we've been trained up we've followed it it's all about me if i can't get my super latte whatever right now then i'm upset and god that just doesn't line up very well with how you work so we confess that impatience we confess uh, impatience with you yelling at you because rome hasn't happened yet and we confess that it's sin and now we repent of it, Father. Help us, Lord, like Paul said. Paul said, I had to learn how to be content with, with the journey and with the timing. So Jesus, help us learn that today. Again, fresh and new. How to trust you with the journey and the timing. But most of all, to trust you and love you for what you did, Jesus, on the cross. Because that's the most important thing. So we thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and your blood and the cross. We thank you for the victory on the other side of the empty tomb. Jesus, we're going to come to you this morning, and we're going to bring ourselves and our sin and our brokenness. We're going to confess it to you. We're going to admit it to you. And then we're going to taste again the promise that we are loved, forgiven, and saved through Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We bless you now, Father, in Jesus' precious name. All God's people say. Amen. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. Gave thanks, broke it, gave it to all the disciples, said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you join me now from your heart in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 
Amen. Lord welcomes you to this table. 